Yes, I will pray. Okay, that's how we'll start. Um, Holy Spirit, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for um, just what you're doing here, God, what you're doing today, Lord. Um, thank you, Lord, that we're, uh, we'll never get this day back, Father, that this day will be written in history, God. And we, we just pray that everything, Lord, that you have for today would just be loosed upon us, God, that you wouldn't wait one more day, Lord, that we wouldn't wait one more day, Father God, um, to have everything that you want us to have, to be equipped, God, with everything you want to give us, Lord God. And uh, So, Lord, we just, yeah, God, we ask for just the fullness, God, of you, Lord. We ask uh, for more of your kingdom, Lord. In this place, we ask for more of you, Holy Spirit. Just when uh, when Jesus originally said that uh, it's good for me to leave because the Spirit would come, Lord, we ask for what he dreamed it would look like on the earth, God, in that moment, Lord. We ask for that fulfillment of that, God, even tonight, Lord, in our midst, God. Uh, Father, so, Lord, we just... I just openly confess, Lord God, that by words of mine, Lord God, no one has changed, Lord. And no one is, uh, the world remains the same. But Father God, as you anoint me, God, and as you move, Lord, upon me, God, I thank you that the world has changed. That lives are changed, Father God, by your words, Lord, leaving my mouth, God. So Lord, we just pray that it be so even tonight, God. Father, just anoint your prophet, Lord. Anoint us, God, we pray, Lord. Each of us in this room, Lord, that we would speak the words of God tonight, what's on your heart, Lord God. We ask, amen. All right. <clears throat> Matthew sixteen twenty four. Anyone know what it is off the top of your head? Matthew sixteen twenty four. It is a Bible verse. Matthew sixteen twenty four. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The title of this lesson is A Costly Yet Rewarding Invitation. A Costly Yet Rewarding Invitation. Um, we're going to look at the first part of this verse, and that says, if anyone wishes to come after me, then there we see it, there's the invitation. Um, he doesn't say, if anyone wishes to follow me, that's later on in the verse where he says, um, take up his cross and follow me. He doesn't say that, which for years that's how I read it. I assumed that Jesus was doing a truly, truly thing here. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, if anyone wishes to come after me, um, in other words, I'm leaving. My race is about to be done. And if anyone wants to come after me, he's putting an invitation out. The 
There's an invitation to carry his kingdom, our kingdom. Uh, I think this was best described. I heard a preacher say it this way, and I actually really love it. It's uh, Jesus just finished up his leg. He's at this point, he's actually finishing up his leg of ministry and he's running and he's got the baton and he's looking to hand it to the next person. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, if anyone wishes to come after me, if anyone wants to pick up where I'm leaving off, because Jesus is getting ready to to leave off. So he's got the baton, he's sticking it out there. People are waiting for his second coming. I believe he's still waiting for our first. Waiting. Waiting. That's a good word. You guys get that one? People are waiting for his second coming. He is still waiting for our first coming. Right? We've been stuck. We're... We're sitting in seats and we're like, oh, any day now Jesus is going to show up and he's going to make everything right. And Jesus is in heaven looking down like, I'm waiting. Any day now they're going to make things right. Crazy. We can't move on till we believe this. So many believers are still in the stands, cheering on Jesus, but he stopped running. I remember when uh, this was just, God was just hitting me with this. I saw Jesus down on the track with a, with a baton, and he's looking up into the stands, and everyone's like, Whoa, that was amazing, Jesus. That, whoa, you ran so well. And he did. He, I mean, yeah. He did run well. And Jesus is like, you know, Jesus is receiving the glory. He's like, yep, it was awesome, but, you know. And there's people who are standing right next to him on the track. You're amazing. I can't believe you guys did that. Fully convinced that that's their role in history, to applaud the deeds of Jesus. Never believing even for an instant that they belong on the same track. No matter how many times he said it. No matter how many times he said it. He said it over and over and over again. He was constantly saying, I can't do anything of myself. It's only what I see the Father doing. I don't have miraculous powers. He said it. He said, I... Over and over and over. Oh. Mm. Jesus is king of kings, right? So who are the of kings? There has to be other kings that Jesus is king of. Here's what I believe. I believe that you earn very little in the kingdom of heaven, but I believe Jesus earned this title When the father saw that he gave up his life and his ministry to ransom an entire group of everyone else who would do great deeds in the kingdom. I really believe at that point, God was like, you know what? King of kings. You are the king of kings. Why? 
because you went the lowest to rescue for everybody else. So the king of kings is taken. But the of kings, just throwing that out there, it's for us. Hmm. John 6, 24, do you guys get this? If anyone, so who does this include? Jesus is putting it out there. Jesus is putting it out there. He's like, man, at this point, like, because I'm, I'm getting ready to hand this off, it's, it's anyone's if they want it. Who wants to run the leg of this relay? Who wants to pick up where I left off? Who wants to carry the kingdom now that I'm going to see my father? It doesn't say it in this gospel. In the context, he's talking to his disciples, but in, um, I think it's in Mark, it says, he turns to the crowd and says, if anyone wishes to come after me. Who does that include? Well, Ryan, because he's got it all figured out, right? That definitely includes Ryan. Oh, man. Guys, it's, it's for anyone. I remember, I wanted to share this with you guys so that you don't think that I have it all figured out. Uh, in my last job at Starbucks, there was a, um, I got a word for a girl. She was in a new relationship, and the word was, you're worth waiting for. This is not an easy word to give, right? Because almost by implication, you're implying, you know, that she's going to give in and give herself to him. And so that mixed with the fact that she was very confident and I had a, like, there was a fear that's like, man, if this word goes wrong, I could lose my job. You know, I could lose my job. She could get pissed and, you know, I'd have a lot of explaining to do. So I never, so I never gave that word. Oh. So that is like, that is a word. And then very few words do I look back on like that one where I actually, I do, I have regret. Because I believe, I really believe that God was wanting to speak a word into her and let her know her worth in that moment. But I wasn't willing to do it. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you that your mercy is new every day. But just so you guys know, I don't give every word that I get. So I'm not perfect. So many, back on topic, so many are stuck trying to live good and not sin when sin is no longer an issue. Well, it's a minor issue because it's been defeated. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like the whole, like every man's battle, the book about sexual immorality. I, the book's okay. I hate the title. Because it's not every man's battle. It was one man's battle who died on a cross and defeated it forever. It says Jesus condemns sin in the flesh. So no one's going to get to heaven and say, I beat pornography. Jesus is like, no, I did. What did you do with the righteousness that I gave you? Whew. 
sin is now a minor issue. Satan wants to make it the chief issue in the church. He wants it to be our focus. You know why? Because there's other issues that we're supposed to be fighting that haven't been defeated yet. Abortion, the slaughter of children, happens in our land every single day. Right? Man, I was talking to Nancy before services. She was sharing a story with me. Just wrecked me. I almost didn't even get my notes together. But it was this former, uh, she used to be like a director of a Planned Parenthood. Until one day she was included, the doctor brought her in during the, the actual abortion. And he wanted, he wanted the ultrasound to make sure he didn't miss any of the pieces. And when he stuck the instrument in there, the baby actually leaped away from it coming. Because it was aware like, wait, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Whew, man. And we think, like, pride is an issue, you know. We're afraid. Uh, <laughs> mm. Abortion, depression, suicide. And I'm preaching to all of us, myself included, you know, myself included. We live in a desperate hour. There are so many things that could be gone after. There are, man, we live in a desperate hour. And I hear people say, like, what difference could I make, little old me? No. You're heaven's answer to the problems of this generation. God saw abortion, and he spoke you into existence. Right? God's timeless. So he could see what was coming. How old are you, Bo? 23. So 23 years ago, God saw what this generation was going to be dealing with. And I'm getting ahead in my notes, but in that moment, he had the option, right, to send what, an angel? He could have sent Jesus back down to the earth to deal with things, right? God can do what he wants. He's God. He can do what he wants. Elijah, you know what God chose to do? He chose to speak bow into existence. He's like, you know what is going to work? You know what is going to change this generation? I am going to speak. I'm going to speak a word into that generation. And so he creates, he created us. Come on. What we really need is Elijah. He could raise people from the dead. Probably what we really need. Man. Do you guys ever think of the fact that he ended Jesus' ministry early? Sometimes I really wonder why, like, why not leave Jesus another 20 years to do more healings, right? Touch a lot more people's lives. Man. I think the Father was 
oh my gosh, he was just ready. He's desperate. I think he's had a dream in his heart of sons and daughters for so long to walk in it and know who they are. Come on. So now heaven is waiting, right? The world is waiting because heaven is watched. How old are you, Helen? 22. For 22 years, angels have gotten to see as Helen has, has grown from a little child to where you're at now. And they saw the plan of the Father as he spoke you into existence and released you onto this earth. And it's like they've seen his intricate, like, like hedging you in here and there. And heaven's waiting. I think they're waiting. They're just like, man, does Helen know? I love that part. Have you guys, you guys seen Hook? No? Yeah. Anyway, the grandma looks at Peter, this Robin Williams, before he remembers who he is, and she's like, don't you know who you are? And I just feel like that's a word over our generation where it's like, heaven is waiting. And they're like, man. And we know the world is waiting. The world is waiting. I think never has been there, never has there been a time in the world where people are more desperate. Man, I see like counselors in Starbucks trying to help people, but they have no idea what they're doing. They don't really have any idea what they're doing. They have some good, maybe they have some good truth that they've stumbled upon, but it's like, they don't know. The world is waiting. Heaven is waiting. Man. I think sometimes there's like a big lie of the enemy is we're like, you know, if we take one, if we believe we'll belong on a track with Jesus, whoa. How many of you guys, is that hard for you? Or you guys are like, yeah, that's me. Hard for you? Yeah. I think, I think, Jesus knew it would be hard, and that's why he put so many verses in the Bible, like John 20, where he says, I go to my Father and your Father. I go to my God and your God. Because he knew. He knew there was going to be this temptation where it's like, oh my gosh. It's interesting because the greatest way we can honor Jesus, oftentimes we think the greatest way we can honor him is to like applaud his life. And I think that's part of it. But I really believe the greatest way to honor him is to believe what he said. You guys agree? Right? I think so often, yeah, we get that really messed up. Man, that would have frustrated the crap out of me. Like, if I was, I just can't imagine, like, leaving to go to, like, leaving 
and really being like, all right, now it's, it's time for you to step into the spotlight. Not only that, I'm going to die so that you can. I'm going to die so that I can give what I have to you. And then to die, and for there to be like just loud applause over my life. Jesus is not a glory hog. He's a really good older brother. He's a really good older brother who pulls, who pulls us in to the spotlight and says, you know what, no. This is what brings me honor and glory when you receive what I've given you and you walk in it. Anyway, I think there's a lie of like, what if I become prideful? Like, what if I get on the track, I'm like, I'm reaching back for the baton from Jesus and running. Maybe that's just me. I don't know what you guys' lies are. Let me just say that may happen. It may happen. If I start seeing people raised from the dead, I might start getting prideful. I just don't, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what my response will be. I don't know my heart condition. But you know what's cool is we don't have to fear it. Man. Whatever we, someone once said, whatever we focus on grows. And I just think a lot of times the enemy wants us to focus on fear or focus on pride so we don't end up there, you know? So it's like, he's like, hey, he's shouting, what if you end up in pride? Pride! You're going to be a proudful Christian. How come you pray for people? Up front, who do you think you are? Pride. Beware of it. Just when you don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Just, when you don't, just whenever you take your eyes off it. And we're so focused on it, you know what ends up happening? If you're running and you focus on sin, it can be easy to run right into it. If we're focused on the Father and His will, and we're running... And while we're running, he brings up the fact that, hey, he's like, you know, I think you might be getting a little big head in this area. We repent and we keep on running, right? Because there's no condemnation for us. Oh, right? How many of you know if Ryan stands up here, delivers a message about how awesome Ryan is, right? One, it would be bringing honor and glory to the Father because he created me. But let's say, let's say the spirit behind it is really a spirit of pride. The Father corrects me. There's no condemnation. We're up and running again. It's, we no longer battle sin. If we're battling sin, we have not died to it. Romans 7 and 8, that whole thing. 6, 7, and 8. We're now, you guys were here for Charlie's message, right? 
on th- where it's like he's talking about that position that we have that's unchangeable before the Father. Man, that was a good word. If you didn't hear that one, look it up online because it was a really good word. But you know why we have that position? Part of the reason, and also the reason that he didn't just take us to heaven as soon as we accepted Christ, was because he wanted us to use that position of righteousness, of perfection before the Father, so we wouldn't have to worry like everyone else in the world about everything else, that we would be able to do great deeds in the name of his kingdom. To have fun. To see his kingdom expanded. Man, wrestling with sin is horrible. Isn't it miserable? You guys ever been through seasons where you're like, man, I was in, what time is it? Oh, half an hour in. Oh, it's just not what we were made for. It's just not what we were made for. If, if you find yourself in a season where you're wrestling sin, just give up, give it to Jesus. Get prayer if you have to. And just be like, all right, I'm following you. Here we go. So good. There's such a temptation, though, to look at ourselves, too, isn't there? Man. To ensure that we don't get off the... Oh, my goodness. Praise the Lord. Anyway, don't fear the power of sin. Bill Johnson said, the Old Testament demonstrates the power of sin. The New Testament, we get to demonstrate the power of righteousness. I love that. In the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, you were unclean. Why? Because the power of sin was such that you couldn't touch a leper. That power was transferred over to you. So now in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, right? It's the opposite. So when sin comes into contact with righteousness, defeated. Right? There was a healing evangelist, like, I think it was John G. Lake, that told this scientist to get, uh, I think it was the bubonic plague, and to put it on a piece of cloth. And the scientist said, if you touch that, that plague is going to get on you. And John G. Lake said, when I touch that, that cloth will no longer have the plague. And it happened. It was the power of righteousness. Oh, how many of you guys are sick of hearing about the power of sin and death? I'm sick of it. I am sick of it. I just don't want to hear it anymore. And it's not that we're not sympathetic with people who are going through sickness, like that's not it at all. Like God's heart is obviously love, but I'm just tired of people who want to tell stories of cancer and how powerful it is. Because I know, I know that, I know that we're called to see it defeated. We're called to see it ended. And I know that God has, right? God has to be more powerful than that. If he, if he isn't, then I don't want to worship him. That's what, uh, I don't know, I was just watching some guy on YouTube. I was like, that's, that's a good word. But he, he didn't say that about cancer, but he said it about, he's like, if God can't heal the sick, then, I mean, right? If he's not the all-powerful God, and if his kingdom isn't stronger than the things that are going around, around me, it's not worth it. 
So I vote instead of fearing sin, let's make the enemy afraid of us. Sin has lost its power. It says in Romans 8, I think it's Romans 8, 4, that Jesus condemns sin in the flesh. Let's make the enemy afraid of us. Let's make him afraid of us. Right? Why do you guys think he condemns you all the time? Why? Use his own games against him. If he starts, like, you know, yapping at you, oh, you're never going to make a difference. Like, why are you saying that? What? Is there something in me? That's going to change the world? Is that what you're afraid of? Come on. Oh. John 21, John 20, 21 through 23. I'm just going to look at this to reiterate the point that I made about, well, to kind of make a new point. Does this feel right to you guys? Does this like resonate in your spirits? Yeah. Come on. John 20, 21 through 23. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's a crazy statement. I wasn't going to preach on this, but... As the Father has sent me, I also send you. If he was sending us a little less, he would have had to say that. Otherwise, this wouldn't be true. He would have had to say, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, except for you don't get to do some of the cool stuff. If he was going to be honest. But we're not preaching on that. We're, we're going to keep going. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Another cool fact, there's no... Uh, at this point, there's no, um, what do you call it? What do you call it when someone flips out in the spirit? They manifest. There's no manifestation. Isn't that cool? I think it's kind of cool. Just because I always think that like something has to happen when, uh, anyway. But Jesus, who was super anointed, like, was like, receive the Holy Spirit. And they're like, okay, I guess I have it. Anyway. Praise the Lord. Verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. I bring this verse up because I want to say that Jesus did not limit us. He did not limit us. This was, this was a huge contention point for the Pharisees because they said, only God can forgive sins. I think I've talked about, we've talked about this before. But I think that's why Jesus made a point to say, listen, this is for you too. Like the craziest miracle I did, probably the most, uh, I mean, raising from the dead was controversial, but it wasn't like this to the Pharisees. This was like the idea that he forgave people's sins on God's behalf. It's like, no. Like Elijah didn't do that. Elijah saw people raised from the dead, but he didn't forgive people's sins. It's just not something you do unless you're God. 
So I think Jesus was aware of that. And that's why he said, listen, disciples, you have this same power. He could have said, you know, you can raise the dead. But he chose this one, and I love that he did. Because you know what? I think this verse is still really controversial. I think it is. I think everyone's like, healing, woohoo. But when it comes to like, hey, you know what? God is forgiving, like, your sins are forgiven. Hey, your sins are forgiven. Oh, anyway, pretty awesome. Jesus didn't limit us. In fact, he gave us more than what he had. He wants to empower us. I know it. It's everywhere. We don't have to like, it's not like a verse here or a verse there. This is everywhere, you guys. This is everywhere. And I just, mm, I know it's true. Let's see. I got another 20 minutes. We're going to keep going. But he's not going to just empower anyone. There are conditions. So, Matthew 16. So he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. That's the first condition. He's like, if you want to do this, if you want to get on the track, if you want to run the race, if you want to pick up where I leave off, here's the conditions. One, you have to deny yourself. Okay, you got to die. He says that later. He says, for he wish to save his life, he'll lose it. So, you've got to die. This can be long and torturous, or quick and painless. It's up to you. But he's like, if you want to be one who runs after me, who does, who comes after me, who does these things, you have to die. Um, what does this look like practically? It's giving up our rights. Um, these rights would include, include but are not limited to, our self-opinion, who we think we are, who we think God is. It's a stripping down. And whatever he says goes. It's not a debate because dead people don't talk. I like that. I chuckled when I put that in my notes. Whatever he says goes. You know, like we talk about this a lot, but I actually think this is, this is hard. This is a hard thing. Many of us don't want to let go of like our self-opinions of who we think we are or what we've already figured out. Who we think God is, right? I don't I don't know why, but if you're if we're not seeing miracles in our life, how many of you are willing to give up some things of who we think God is to learn new things? You guys willing? Right? I'm willing to let go because I, for one, I don't want theology. I want a relationship. So God, if like, if, if who I think you are, like I let it go, rock me, show me who you are. There's a good prayer. 
That's a great starting point. Show me who you are. Let's back up the bus, you know. We're all trying to figure out how to get the apostolic anointing part four. And God's like, is there anyone out there who just wants to know who I am? Who I really am? I love this too. Self-opinion. It's giving up our rights to who. Oh my gosh. Did you know. I'm just. I'm going to share some stuff here. I, I was a part of a running club during the summer. And this one guy was convinced that he couldn't run downhill. And he would tell somebody about it. Every time we do runs. He's like, oh, oh, I love uphills, but man, I can't run on downhills. And I was thinking to myself, I mean, I don't know, injury, whatever. I actually really think maybe someone told him or he had one bad race and he convinced himself over and over and every day he declared it that he couldn't run downhill. He would actually walk down the downhill portions. He would fly uphills. It was insane. But we, like, we look at him and we're like, oh my gosh, what's his problem? Right? But this is like the scary thing of self-opinion. I would be willing to bet almost 100% that all of us have ideas about ourselves that don't come from the Father, but that come from something else. And we have to be dead. We give those up, man. Those old self-opinions. Just lay them down. You know what's awesome about this too? I don't, anything is possible through our lives until God says it's not. MVP baseball player. I know that's funny, but seriously, you know? It's like anything, anything becomes possible. Because you know what? We're not, Lord, I've given up all my opinion of who I am, and I'm just waiting for you to tell me who I am. Because now I believe, because you spoke it through Ryan, that you saw this generation coming, and and I'm the answer to the problems of this generation, but I need to know what ones to go after, what kingdoms of darkness need to fall at my hands. I mean, I don't want to just get rid of all of them. I could, maybe. But I want to know which ones you've picked out for me so that I can see victory in those areas and I can see light come into those areas. And how you've specially equipped me. Oh, there's got to be a movie where the hero has something in him that he doesn't know is in him until he's in the battle and then he realizes it's in him to overcome this. Can you, what's a good example of that? Star Wars? Antaria? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Because he's like, right. And so he thought, he thought he was just like, you know, doing like crop dusting practice back home. But really it was preparing him for his destiny. Okay. All right. We don't, we don't want to push it. But seriously, you know, it's like, Lord, who knows what you've put in us 
that we don't even know is there yet until we come into like the greatest struggle of our time. Come on. But whatever he says goes. I guess it, it comes down to a question. Who do you want in control? You or the guy who gave his son so he could know you? You know, at the end of the day, I think I want him in control. Right? I really don't want to call the shots. I was actually just telling Nancy this. We were talking about this. And I said, man, like I never want to push my own promotion even at work because I'm like, God, you know so well what is best for me that I don't want to end up anywhere that you don't want me. You know? And it gives us a rest that says, this is awesome. Why is this scary? Because McDonald's has full-time employees. Uh, That was a joke. But it's not a joke, you know? It's like, I remember, like, me and Justin Singleton, we were in that, we were in the living room over there, and we were praying together, and we were saying, God, if you would call us to work full-time in the fast food industry, then that's what we'll do. You want to meet the lowest of the low? Everyone loves Heidi Baker. She's over in Africa loving the orphans, you know. Y'all are like, man, who, oh, man, who takes up the calling that says, I want to work at McDonald's? Not because the pay is good, because it's not. Not because the food's good, because it's not. But that's what happens when you lay down your life. It's no longer, well, you know, it's no longer this dance that we do with God. It's total surrender. So it's like China, the UP, wherever he sends us. John Wesley, I love this. John Wesley said, let us deny our own will, however pleasing, and do the will of God, however painful. That's a good word, huh? So that's where Jesus says the first condition is deny yourself. but The second condition is take up your cross. Because for him, this was a real reality. Because <laughs> for him, the will of the Father, I just, you know, I don't think, Jesus wasn't like supernaturally aware and in this supernatural grace cloud. I really believe that he was learning and growing and he, came, he had to come to a place where he died to himself and only lived by the will of the Father. And we see that played out in the Word. And... I believe at some point the Father enlightened him that his will was to die, was for Jesus to die on the cross. You know? At some point, Jesus is reading through Isaiah, just loving it. And he gets to the part that's like, you know, like a lamb to the slaughter. You know? Man. I wish I could have been there for that, where it's like, 
the father cluing him in that's like, hey, your ministry is only going to last three years. And then I'm going to have you die on a cross. And it's going to be glorious. Because you're going to bring so many sons and daughters to glory. But it's going to be really hard. But it's my will. And it's crazy because even to the end, and I love this because it's such a perfect uh, example of relationship. Because even at the end, Jesus is crying out with, with like tears of blood that's like, Father, spare me from this hour. Why? Because Jesus wasn't just a slave following a master. He was also a son, and he realized, as a son, I, I know that I have profound influence on your heart, and I'm pleading with you as a son, spare me from this hour, but, he says, nevertheless, let your will be done. Because at the end of, this, at the end of all this, if I can't change your will, I would rather have your will than my own. Wow. Let us deny our own will, however pleasing, and do the will of God, however painful. Guys, we have to get this. Let me say something to you. You do not know what's good for you. You do not know what will make you happy. I have so many examples of this in my life. Oh my gosh. The big example is me and Corey live out on Caboggum Road. It's like, it's like, you know, at least a 20-minute drive out of town. And at first, it was really just rubbing on me. I was like, and we were like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait till we get into town so we can hang out with friends again, you know, have a life. We're out here. It's cold. There's nothing to do. And, you know, but not our will, but yours be done, Lord. And, no, we weren't really praying that. We should have been, you know, clued into that. But. Little did we know that, like, Kurt and Nancy Rife live around the corner, you know? At this point in our relationship, they have, they have so taken us in as a son and daughter, taken me and Corey in as a son and daughter. They live, like, 500 yards from our house. They have so taken us in as a son or daughter. Uh, they've given us food. They've given us money. They regularly pick up, like, Nancy will pick up June from Corey, take her for a couple hours to play with her grandkid, like, we have June call her grandma. Corey gets a break. She gets to do, you know, spend time with God, all this other stuff. Pretty much, whenever I ask to go over there, they're like, yeah, come on over. They have unlimited supply of Keurig. They let us do our laundry at their house all the time, you know. But I was convinced that what I really wanted was to live in town. And I look at that, and I'm like, God, help me to always remember that I am a dumb sheep. A dumb sheep. And you, thank you, Rosie. And, and you are the shepherd, you know? Oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite identities, that of the dumb sheep. Like, Lord, please lead me, Lord. Because I don't know what's good for me. Because you created me. Just like he created Paige. And it's like, Paige, you have no idea what's good for you. And it's like, but when you die to yourself and give your life wholly to him and say, God, whatever you want to do, you do it. And he places you in a season, then all of a sudden, like, stuff out of you starts to grow. 
as I said that, I feel like I got a picture from God where it's like, he's going to plant like some of us in urban settings and it's like that's where we're designed to flower and to blossom. We'll blossom in those settings, you know? We think it's like the farm field, but God's like, no, I'm cramming a seed down here in between the pavement, you know? Because that's where I want you to, that's where you're going to blossom best because he knows. He knows, he knows, he knows. Hmm. Jesus walked in this total surrender, and guys, it's not easy. Um, remember the part where his mom and his siblings come to visit him. They're knocking on the door. They're like, hey, can we hang out with Jesus? Jesus goes, my mother and brother are those who do the will of my father. Like, what do you mean my? Man. He was just so surrendered. He had so laid down his life. But not just laid down his life, he had, because uh, you really, you can't be an empty cup. What has to be replaced with that? So, like, you can't walk around as an empty vessel. Like, something has to fill you. And what it is, it's, it's an active learning to be filled with the will of the Father. To hear his voice and to see his will be done. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, like, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Because this is like, this is how he walked. This is how he lived where it's like, all right, Father, I just want to see, ultimately, I just want to see your will being done in in here. And it doesn't matter what that looks like for me. Because sometimes for Jesus, you know what that looked like? It means he would show up at a funeral and the Father, everyone's like weeping. And the Father would whisper in his ear, say, this person's not dead, they're sleeping. And you know where Jesus, Jesus was in the place where it's like dead men don't argue. This person's not dead, they're sleeping. And they all laughed at him. They all laughed at him. I remember Heidi Baker preaching a sermon where she's like, uh, all I have is yes. She's like, all I have left to say is yes to you. Sometimes I think we, like, give him, give him a hard rap. We're like, God, you know, if I could only hear your voice, I'd do your will and all this stuff. But sometimes I think we got to own some of it. We got to own some of it where it's like, God, you know. Man. Lord, if I need to be emptied out again, like, empty me out again. If there's stuff I need to let go of, I'll let go of it. That I would live for only your will being done on the earth. Because ultimately, guys, that's that's the only way we're going to see fruit. I mean, there's like a lot of really good like Christian teaching about all this stuff stuff but man Jesus made it pretty simple when it was like if you want to be someone who comes after me this is what it's going to look like one believing that it's for you 
I think that's where the majority of Christianity is. First step, believe it's for you. (laughs) Believe that you're called to change the world as he did and to walk in the things that he did because this brings honor and glory to your name. I got time. You guys know the, I think I've asked you this before. It'll be fun. Do you know what the question Saul asked Abner when David slew Goliath? Do you know the question that he asked him? About David. So David kills Goliath. Saul goes to his military commander and asks him a question. He asks him one question. You know what it was? Anybody, you can say it. Close. He said, who is this man's father? Because great deeds done by non-professionals brings glory somewhere else. How many of you know that Bo can't raise the dead? Who haven't I used? Micah. How many of you know Micah can't raise the dead? Everybody here. Micah does not have the power to raise the dead. So when Micah has the when Micah is seeing the dead raised, glory to the Father. Oh, we have it so backwards. Don't we? And yet when Christians do things in their own power, we think that that brings more glory to his name. Mm -mm. You know, I think the most glory is brought to his name when we do things that we couldn't do of ourselves. Amen, that's a good word. Things that like, there's no way, there's no way Ryan could do that. There's no way. No, 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 I, no, I, I know Rosie, there's, no, she won't ever be able to do this. It's going to bring glory to the Father. Come on. I'm so off my notes, I don't even know where we're at. Where were we? Step one is believing it's for us. Step two is emptying in ourselves, dying. And step three is just taking on his will. Saying, all right, God, whatever you want to do today, that's what I want to do. Whatever you want to say through me, that's what I'll say. Whatever you show me that you're doing, that's what I'll do. And I'm, I'm just so sick of this thing of like, sometimes... I don't know. Sometimes I get fired up because, one, I'm an emotional lover. I'm just an emotional lover. And sometimes people are like, "Ah." anyway, it's a side issue that I have to deal with. But I do not believe there's anything more courageous than love. If you want to be a courageous person, you set yourself to emotionally love people. When people come into Starbucks and they step up to the line, and I can see that everything in them needs love, but I'm like, they're probably not able to receive it, but does that mean that I don't try? Because God tried, right? So I put myself out there, 
and they laugh, you know? But it's like, oh, come on. I'm going to end with this. I had a dream. I have a dream. I love that speech, by the way. It's one of my favorites, but I'm not going to say that. I had a dream where, and in the dream, I was in this old schoolhouse. And uh, in this old schoolhouse, there was a janitor, an old man. And his name was Yuppie. I don't know if you guys are putting this together. I didn't put this. I feel like the Lord has to make things really clear for me. You know, because he doesn't want me to miss it. Sometimes I miss things. And uh, in this dream, I, I see him and he's in this old dusty schoolhouse and it's like abandoned and it's just him. And I look him square in the eyes and I say, there's strength in you. And he looks back at me and he's frustrated and he's angry and he says, no man is changed by more love. And then he like, he threw a hatchet at me, which went under my arm and a ball pin hammer, which the Lord like stopped at my feet, which was, he was showing me that he would, God was showing me that he would protect me. Um, but the enemy, I believe God was giving me a key insight of what the enemy is deathly afraid of. He's deathly afraid that we would, he's deathly afraid of love and the power of love and the power of lay down lovers. Because it wasn't about the prophetic word, right? I just said there's strength in you. The enemy said, no man is changed by more love. Stop, Ryan. <laughs> love doesn't change people. But I know it's true because I've tasted it and I've seen it, man. Oh, my gosh. I was changed by love. Uh, we really went on some rabbit trail. But we're going to, hey, Jared, you want to put on some music? Awesome. We're just going to take five minutes. doesn't have to be long, but if there's anything that, like, God spoke to your heart um, in regards to this, um, just deal with it. If there's, um, specifically if you feel like, um, if any of you guys feel like you've been, one, battling sin, you just kind of need to die, or you want to give it to him and say, all right, Jesus, I'm done battling sin. I want your righteousness so that I can just run in freedom and grace. I believe that's for you tonight. Two, if, if the part about uh, dying to self like really spoke to you where it's like a dead man doesn't argue and you feel like maybe there's part of you that you've given to God but not wholly where you're like, God, whatever you say goes. Whatever you say to me goes, no matter if it means, no matter if it means I'm single, no matter if it means you send me as a missionary, no matter if it means you take me from my whole family. So 